1: paper since 1971 bonus time to ben Jarowski show as i speak it is thursday august 24th 2023 it's really 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 i can't say really enough hot in the city of chicago today i'll read a headline in the sun times to tell you how hot it is a new shy high City bakes under a hundred and sixteen degree heat index, fueled by record-setting temperatures and humidity. Oh yeah! On top of that, it's humid as hell. Uh, And of course, you know the weather is the big news of the summer. Fire, 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 uh, forest fires in Maui and Hawaii, and what was once paradise. Uh, It then like a hurricane in Southern California. The waters outside of Florida are boiling hot. Uh, and uh, is a perfect link to what is uh, on my mind and what I will be discussing with my distinguished guest, because last night, uh, Wednesday, in Milwaukee, the Republicans put their best and brightest on stage to offer the American people a choice uh, as to who the Republicans might nominate uh, to run against Joe Biden, And when they had a question of, a show of hands question, do you believe that humans contribute uh, to climate change? (laughs) I'm sorry, it's so bizarre, the world we live in. Uh, Not one Republican raised his hand for fear of enraging MAGA, which is convinced uh, that climate change is a hoax, even though, again, city bakes under 116 degree heat index. The world is insane, and now I'm going to turn to a dear friend of my show uh, to explain uh, the insanity and lunacy of the political world. Uh, Distinguished guest, introduce yourself, and away we go.
0: Thanks, Ben. It is great to be here to discuss last night's absolute horror show of a Republican debate. (laughs) I'm David Ferris, an associate professor of political science at Roosevelt University here in Chicago. The author of It's Time to Fight Dirty, How Democrats Can Build a Lasting Majority in American Politics, and a columnist at Newsweek. Um, And uh, I've taken like three showers since that debate, and I still don't feel clean. So I don't know what to tell you. It was really bad. It was a really bad, it was a really bad two hours.
1: Well, um, first, uh, I have to say your last column for Newsweek is, is hilarious in its own dark way, and I urge everyone to check it out. Uh, It is an analysis of Vivek uh, Ramaswamy, and we've talked about him in previous shows. We talk about pretty much everything in politics uh, with David every other week he comes on. Uh, And he is a rising star. I am just reporting the facts, ladies and gentlemen, in in the Republican Party, uh, even though in my humble opinion, uh, he's insane uh, or playing an insane man uh, for the sake of getting the nomination uh so why don't we start uh with him we'll go through every other candidates uh that were on that stage oh and the obvious one of course uh, donald john trump who at any moment now will be arraigned uh in atlanta and he of course wasn't on the stage more insanity we'll get to the trump question etc and so forth uh but why don't we start with vivek uh, ramaswamy Cause it's on my mind. It's fresh in my mind. I haven't just read your column and I'm looking at a picture of him from last night's debate and I'm looking at all the analysis and many of the, uh, analysts are saying he did very well for himself. Uh, so your thoughts on Mr. Ramaswamy.
0: Sure. So I read, I read also the media spin about this debate and how Ramaswamy did really well. And I I have to just have a hard disagree there. Um, I thought he had some he had some breakout moments in the first half where he uh, he went on and on about how everybody else had rehearsed lines, and he was the one that obviously had a bunch of rehearsed lines, which is so weird. Um, and so he got into a bunch of confrontations with the other candidates and called them super PAC puppets and whatnot. Uh, and I'm sure that played well with the Republicans in the audience. But I thought he got his butt handed to him in the second half of that debate um, when it turned to to Donald Trump and then particularly when it turned to foreign policy. Um, he, he just he just got embarrassed out there. Um, and it's not surprising because Ramaswamy is just a total amateur in politics, never run for anything. Um, And uh, this is his first run for public office of any kind. No one has, no one on the face of the earth outside of Silicon Valley had had heard of this dude prior to like March, 2023 when he launched his campaign. Um, And he is 100% a creation of the right-wing media universe slash boomer grievance industrial complex, um, that, that governs and propels the Republican party right now. Um, he's like a, he's like a walking talking representation of everything that is wrong with Republican politics. Um, he's, uh, he's vacuous, right? Like he has a bunch of really bad ideas, um, on both domestic and foreign policy. He's both pandering to the Republican base, um, and also presenting himself as an outsider even though he's a billionaire this is this you know and if they they nominate this guy it's the second consecutive republican who will be cosplaying as like a populist man of the people when he's actually a pampered billionaire who made his fortune on an alzheimer's drug that doesn't work okay so um that's vivek ramaswamy um and the the, his presence on the stage tonight last night (laughs) um I should just say Wednesday night, right? Because people might listen to this for a few days, okay? This presence on the stage Wednesday night is, uh, is just a, is a failure of elite leadership uh, in our political parties writ large, um, both of whom have decided that they need to let anybody debate and run for president if they if they pull like 1% and have 40,000 donors. Um, and I think that's how we got ourselves into the like Andrew Yang problem <laughs> in the Democratic Party. And Republicans are making the same mistake. Um so uh, I wasn't impressed by his performance at all. I, I don't know what everybody else's debate prep was, but I'm pretty sure that Ramaswamy's debate prep was like 14 lines of cocaine um, and a Red Bull because he just like, just couldn't contain himself there on stage to the point where the Fox News hosts um, had to like restate the debate rules so, they, so he would shut up. Um, and then he talked for like, a full another minute after they were like, when this bell rings, you know, like Jimmy Stewart, <laughs> every time a bell rings, the vet Ramaswamy keeps talking. You know, he just keeps talking. Um, so I've got, I've got a whole nother riff to go on about how much I hate these debates and how they are run right on, on both sides of the aisle. Um, but I will, I will, I will stick to Ramaswamy right now.
1: Well, 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 let's, uh, let's hear that. Uh, I've, I'll, I will set it up by, uh, have it with a contrarian point of view, which I think I was, we were having the same conversation in the summer of 2019. Uh <clears throat> when it was the Democrats uh, having these debates, because it's usually the party out of power uh, that have the exciting and I have exciting in quotes uh, debates in the summer before the actual presidential election, when there's this full stage of candidates, you know, before they've been winnowed out uh, by the primary process. Uh, So I, I mean, it may be a sign of the fact that I grew up watching wrestling uh, and that uh, I just like. Big spectacles like heavyweight champion boxing matches. Uh, but I just eat this stuff up. And last night's debate, in a weird way, I found hugely entertaining uh, beca- because they have like all these rules that are openly violated. And then you watch the guys violate them, <laughs> you, you know, while they say they're going to crack down on law and order, you know what I mean? And they're, they're tough. And we, you, everybody has to play by the rules except for me in this debate. Uh, and uh, punches are flying and uh, obscure, bizarre candidates are saying outrageous things to gain attention in the hopes that the next day it'll generate a flood of contributions from the suckers and saps out there in America where they try to, they say nothing, but they spice it up in like really flowing. I'm thinking of mayor Pete Buttigieg from 2019, who kind of reminds me uh, of Swami in that they're both young and younger than anybody else on stage. And they're like basking in how young they are and vibrant they are and, you know, how slick they are. And I'm just watching this stuff uh, like it's a carnival. You know, and and I, and then every now and then I go, oh my god, this is serious. These yeah. lunatics could be running the country. So that's kind of my take on the debate format in the summer that precedes the election. Let's hear your take on it.
0: I look, I'm not going to lie and say I wasn't entertained. Okay. <laughs> I was entertained. Um, And I think the comparison to pro wrestling is really good. You know, you had Chris Christie as the heel, right? Um, And then then the other seven as the heroes. Um, But uh, I think in terms of like civic education, I think that we're all very badly served by a bunch of people talking over each other all night long. Um, And it's entertaining when they do it. I didn't find it super entertaining when it was our people shouting over each other. (laughs) <laughs> and and yelling at each other and having these like staged confrontations that they've been planning for weeks with the different candidates. Um, and the whole thing just made me want to reiterate a point I made in 2019, which is that Democrats should be running their own debates. Okay. Um, do not farm this out to the media because the media has one incentive in these debates. They want viral moments where the hosts are confronting the candidates and when the candidates are yelling at each other. And then they tweet them out and they they put them on, sorry, do I have to call it X? Uh, put them on Twitter, Facebook, Meta, whatever. Um, the The incentive structure there is very clear for the networks, right? It's not to inform the American people or the primary voters about what the positions of the candidates are. It's to have as much drama as possible. Um, and I would love to see Democrats um, claim this for themselves and set a bunch of rules um, for their debates so that they don't get this like shouting, crosstalk, yelling stuff Um that I think is a is a turnoff for your own primary electorate. It's fun when it's the other people, um, but start cutting people's mics, right? Like it's like, oh, we have these rules. Oh, oh, oh Mr. Barma Swami you're violating the rules right now. Okay, we'll have another thirty seconds. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, don't don't tell them what the rules are. They know what the rules are. They're not idiots. They're grownups. Cut their mics. It's like you have thirty seconds. The bell rings. Cut the mic off. Right, and you'll see that behavior disappear instantly. Okay? I mean, they can they can keep talking if they want to try to. Um, reach the back of a a giant uh, lecture hall by themselves, but it's not going to work. And uh, of course this was in front of a friendly media audience, right? Like it was, it was Fox news hosts in a, in a hall full of Republicans. Um, And still, I think that the Republican party allowed itself um, to be embarrassed by the questioning, you know, like think about what these debates are. If you're God help you, if you're a Republican, (laughs) These debates are your first introduction to the general public after probably, for most people, a long time of not paying very close attention to politics. Um, and your first introduction of a bunch of people that might be your nominee is to have them yell at each other and like raise their hands like they're a bunch of second graders. Um, you know, like, is everybody, who wants ice cream on stage? Raise your hand, everyone. Do you want to go to recess? Sorry, school's on my mind right now because my son just started kindergarten. Um, <laughs> But it's so it's so infantilizing for the candidates um, to be led around by the nose like this by the moderators. and I just I'm begging Democrats next time we have a, a contested primary, don't do this. you know. Um, put much bigger barriers to entry to the stage. Um, have your hosts be friendly people who want the Democrats to win the next election um, and prevent your candidates from sliming each other on on the very first night of the debate. That's I'm ba- like I'm begging begging Democrats to do this because you know what they will do to us, Ben. But right, like it's like oh uh, cnn hosts the first democratic primary debate in 2027 and i'll be like okay show of hands uh, who wants to defund the police and uh and murder babies who who wants that is it you raising your hand sir I hate this stuff
1: that leads me to a, a, a bias I've detected uh, in the debates. And I uh, would well, like to hear you talk about this. I, of course, am yelling at the TV. I, I believe in participating as well. So I'm yelling at the, that question sucks. Da, da, da. Uh, that answer, that's no answer. You know, uh, it's, it's, I really enjoy debates. Um, but so to your point about CNN, what CNN will do when it's a democratic debate, is phrase a question in which Democrats will look as um, extremist and scary and dangerous as possible, the worst Republican caricature of a Democrat, and the CNN under the guise of being objective will ask a question that feeds into a very like basic yes or no question, you know, like you said, defund the police, uh, that feeds into the worst stereotype that Republicans have of Democrats, a talking point, uh, if you will, for Republicans. They don't do that in a Republican debate. They don't take the worst stereotypes that, Democrat, They don't take criticism that of Republicans uh, that you would hear in a conversation between me and you every other week for the last four years, distill it to a question and throw it to, well, what do you think? Uh, and it, <laughs> uh, it shows to me, in, in my opinion, uh, an inherent bias uh, when the media kind of is playing along with the Republicans, like almost so they're. Trying to show that they're fair, or bi- not biased, in front of the Democrats, uh, or they're self-hating. I don't know. That was that's coming to some of the thoughts I've had. Uh, do you share those thoughts?
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the, the the media always comes after Democratic candidates the same way, right? Like if I could distill um, the the 2019, 2020 Democratic debates into four words, five, is this four words? Is it five? How are you going to pay for it? Right. That's that's all they'd asked him that over and over again. They're like, the Senator Warren, the Senator Sanders, uh, you want to do this cool stuff how are you going to pay for it? Right? Like over and over and over and over again. Um, just hammering home um the media narrative about how Democrats wanna, you know, to remember back in the 80s it was tax and spend, um, tax and spend liberals. Um, and so the 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 general national media is very invested in this narrative. Uh, that Democrats are the one driving the deficit when it's completely the opposite is true. Um, and it refused to get into the substance of like the values of the policies that Democrats are advocating. Right. It's like, why do we want single payer healthcare? Well, like you know, why, why do we want Medicare for all it? They don't even ask that, right? They don't ask like, would it be better? All they ask is who's, how are you gonna pay for it over and over again? It drives me crazy. Um, and yeah, I don't think that they do this to Republicans in the same way. Um, and they, they particularly didn't do it last night um, because, again, the people hosting the debate want Republicans to win the election. <laughs> um, but they did, you know. I mean, they they, they confronted the candidates about Trump. Um, they confronted the candidates about January sixth. Um, I, I think their questioning could have been more probing about abortion and the way that the, that the Dobbs is affecting the Republican Party nationally. Um, but uh, it, it wasn't a total cupcake debate for them. Um, I, I didn't think the hosts were like terrible, but they were obviously friendly and friendlier to the to the cause of the people on stage than anybody that's ever hosted a Democratic debate. i tell you that.
1: All right, I'm going to push back a little bit because we'll get into the big three, uh, Trump, abortion, and climate. The Trump question, you and I have had this conversation many times, in my opinion, uh, will be, the central, most important, decisive factor determining how people vote in the 2024 election. I think the last time we were on, I said Biden was of no consequence. If Donald Trump is the nominee, it sure looks like he will be. Uh, Joe Biden is of no consequence. The only issue the American people are facing are whether they're going to return Donald Trump to power. That's the issue. That should be the first question. Whether Donald John Trump who is now going to be arraigned on his fourth, I think, fourth, isn't that right, indictment, ongoing indictment, in this case for the coup he tried to engineer, which we all saw, which we all know is real, which the only difference is whether you think it was warranted or you were cheering him on or you're horrified by it. We all know it happened. Will that man be returned? Instead, they begin with that hokey song which is like a bad imitation of a real folk song, which uh, is the number one song in America uh, today uh, and uh, is supposedly pointing out how hypocritical rich Democrats are, even though on this stage, the stage is chock-filled with rich Republicans. Somehow or other, they're exempt from being hypocrites. uh, And it's just feeding the notion that Democrats are destroying America. So that's where we began the debate, and then an hour in, they almost apologetically say we're going to address the elephant who's not in the room. That's I think the 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 line, and then the audience boos because they booed. I'm, I'm like, are you booing because he, they call him an elephant? And It's like saying he's fat, you know? I mean, is that why you're booing? <laughs> um, and why are you booing? Uh, and and then they let him that uh, they just let them get off the hook they didn't, they didn't present what we all know they didn't ask that question like how are you going to pay for a question that like you said they ask a the Democrats they didn't say oh my god we saw the insurrection with our own eyes how can you justify it they just the, the only the issue at best got boiled down to did Pence do the right thing you know what I mean that's as best as they boiled it down to So I feel as though um, they fumbled that. I feel as though they sort of buried that issue. I feel they were like unnecessarily apologetic for raising it. And then it's like this notion, like there are serious substantive issues like abortion and climate change. This is a frivolous issue. Oh, the coup is a frivolous issue? Democracy is a frivolous issue? Anyway, that was my take on it. What's your take? uh, on how they handled the Trump question. I
0: don't know if you can hear my cat meowing out the door. Um, (laughs) so, (laughs) I mean, you have to think about who the paymasters are here, right? Um, could they have asked tougher questions about the insurrection, about the 2020 election conspiracy, about Trump's conduct, about the coup? Yes. Right. Um, but this was a, a debate hosted by Fox News people on Fox News. And this is a network that went all in on that conspiracy to the point where they just had to settle a a lawsuit for a billion dollars, uh, close to a billion dollars with Dominion voting systems because their hosts were on air spouting defamatory lies about those voting systems and about the election itself. Um, and so again, like this is a nationally watched debate of Republicans, but it is being hosted and conducted inside of that closed loop media universe, um, in which most people think that biden was not legitimately elected and so if you're brett bear i can't remember the other person's name um martha right what's that name Martin mccollum um if you're if you're one of those hosts you have to walk this line i'm not like i don't feel sorry for them or anything Ben. right <laughs> like they should both resign uh in disgust at, at everything that their own network is doing but like taken on its own terms but right? what they had to do was tr- try to ask a question about january 6th without getting fired by Fox news executives for either putting them in further legal jeopardy <laughs> or alienating the audience of Fox news, which is all in on this stuff anyway. Right. So they had, you know, on their own terms, they had a tough job. Now I don't know, I feel sorry for them at all, but um, certainly they could have pressed harder. Um, I'm sure that the person that probably loved the line of questioning more than anybody else was Mike Pence. Um, because instead of the questions being about the conspiracy, about the coup, about the future of American democracy, it was like, show of hands, like how big of a hero was Mike Pence? Uh, was he a big, big hero or was he like a medium hero or did he do the wrong thing? Um, and even someone like DeSantis was forced to say like, Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, you know, Mike did the, you know, Mike, Mike did the right thing. Let me move on to my talking points. Um, and so I've re- also read a lot of spin about how Mike Pence didn't do well. I'll be honest with you. I don't think Mike Pence has any chance of being the nominee, but I don't think he actually did poorly in this debate, right? Like it, like isn't it your dream to to have like fifteen minutes of the whole debate devoted to like whether you're a hero or not? Um, like I don't think that could have gone any better for Mike Pence, um, and uh, or or any worse um, for for someone like Ramaswamy, um, who who took his role to be like just defend Donald Trump and carry the water for him. Um, and in that sense, I felt really felt like Ramaswamy was auditioning to be the vice president more than anything else you know like he's sucking up to trump uh there's no evidence that anybody can can take trump out um and here you have a guy who's like basically acting as trump's surrogate on stage um while presenting himself as a fresh face of like all the weird like mega ideas that donald trump popularized and and used to capture the republican party um so yeah certainly they could have gone harder but um you know people showed their true stripes on that stage for sure
1: yeah I feel that uh, with the Pence question, uh, the, uh, inc- the, the contradiction is this, is if you say Mike Pence was a hero, if you say Mike Pence did the right thing, if you say Mike Pence was upholding the Constitution when he uh, counted the electoral uh, college votes the way they, they came, the outcome was uh, and with Joe Biden winning, then you're admitting that Donald Trump was trying to break the law and that's the conundrum they're facing. Like, if, it, it, that's why DeSantis, he's so slippery. He's What a weasel that guy is. You know, yeah, I have no beef with Mike. <laughs> you know, come on. <laughs> Remember, he, got, he was so grudging. It was just like they forced it out of him. Um, so if you make, if, if you uh, honor Mike Pence with compliments, you're essentially. Joining the the chorus that's accusing Donald Trump of trying to steal an election, which we all know he tried to do, uh, and which you're right, Fox was a player in it. Fox, they're still got lawsuits against themselves as a result of that. There's at least two that I can think of. So, uh, yeah, that's a central contradiction uh, that's embedded. It's like deeply rooted in this uh, in this debate, and it. it you're right. Like, the format itself doesn't have the flexibility or the honesty to confront that contradiction. You know what I'm saying? A question is never phrases. Like, okay, I'll give you an example. How are you going to pay for a question? Our party is dedicated to the notion that Donald Trump uh, is a great hero, even though we all saw him lead a coup, an attempted coup, to overturn the democracy. How can we call ourselves believers in the Constitution if we're supporting this man? You know, put it right to him. But they don't get how you're going to pay for questions in Republican debates. Uh, You know, all right, let's move on to uh, climate. Like I said, it's 116 degrees here in the city of Chicago. I don't believe one Republican. Did I? Did I? Am I? Forgetting, I don't think any of them raised their hand when asked, do you believe that human beings contribute to climate change? In fact, Ron DeSantis was disgusted that they were even asked the question. Um, your thoughts on the Republican policies and attitudes toward climate change in the environment?
0: I mean, I like, what can you say at this point, right? Like we're literally broiling in the city of Chicago right now. Like, what? like, if you go outside right now, you'll be dead in like 15 minutes if you're, if you're, if you're not hydrated. It's unbelievably hot out there. Um, we set a record yesterday. We're going to set a record today. Um, it is the hottest summer on record in, human, in recorded human history. Um, we've had a variety of unbelievable, unprecedented disasters. You know, the wildfire smoke, the fires in Maui, um, these heat waves that are killing people around the world. Tens of thousands of people are dying in this heat. Um, and it's not a joke, right? I mean, if you don't have air conditioning in the city of Chicago right now, I hope you're in a shelter or something because this is life-threatening stuff. And 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 even with all of this like uh, evidence piling on evidence, um, these these candidates are just prisoners of their brainwashed base uh, that just doesn't want to hear it. Right? Like they are all prisoners of the Republican base. The Republican primary electorate is the single biggest problem uh, facing, I think, the human species right now. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is a group of people that has gone completely off the rails. They are crazier than the Republican general electorate. And that's saying something. Um, they are uh, increasingly an authoritarian cult that sim- that sympathizes more with violent dictators than they do with people struggling for democracy. Um, I think you saw that in the answers about Ukraine, too. But for climate, um, you know, only uh, if I'm remembering correctly, only Nikki Haley, was willing to even acknowledge that the that the earth is getting warmer, right? I know she wouldn't blame it on people, right? But she was like, yeah, it's real, climate change is real. Um now we gotta get China and India to cut their emissions. You know, like it's not our job, you know. Look at the irony, right? Like, like Nikki Haley is the is the is the daughter of Indian immigrants, right? And she's out there like slamming India. Um, so I like think you can tell she has like a little bit of resentment because she was like, I'm supposed to be the Indian immigrant candidate up here. Like, what are you doing up here, Ramaswamy? Get lost. Um, but, uh, <laughs> like, uh, you know, South Asian immigrants are, are generally a more conservative voting bloc than, than most other immigrants in the United States. Okay. Um, so not, not surprising that, that they produced a couple of Republican presidential candidates, but, um, you know, you have one, you have one candidate essentially willing to, to acknowledge reality and everybody else just wants to spin it. Um, and I just can't think of a a set of clips that you could play that would alienate younger voters more than Republican candidates talking about climate change, right? You've got Ramaswamy up there. Um, have you ever heard him talk about his 10 commandments, you know, 10 commandments, you know, there's only two genders. I don't know why, why do they love people who sound like chipmunks so much? Like he's like a Ben Shapiro Care Bear doll come to life. Um, there's only two genders and uh, humans cannot flourish without fossil fuels like what is like who is worshipping fo- like I get it we want our houses to have electricity right you can't just like not have any fossil fuel use tomorrow morning but like why are you like attached to it like what is wrong with you Um. what is the weird deranged cult like who hurt you and made you a slave to fossil fuels like who did that to you I want to know Anyway, it's disgusting, right? Like, it's just, it's an inversion of reality. Billions of people can feel the reality of climate change right now. Um, Whether they can be convinced to do anything about it politically is another question. Um, I'm watching, (laughs) it's a little bit of a tangent, okay, but I'm watching this science fiction show right now on Apple called Foundation. It's an adaptation of Isaac Asimov's novels from the 50s and 60s. Um, And the whole premise of the books and the show is that there's like a soothsayer who sees that the empire is going to collapse in a thousand years. And he's like, look, if we do this stuff, we can make the dark age shorter a thousand years from now. And everybody like gallops into action. They're like, Oh my God, a dark age, a thousand years from now, we need immediate action. And I'm like, dude, like we can't even get people to do stuff like their own house, like their own communities are on fire. Like they're evacuating entire towns in Canada. And people are just like, well, I got carbon capture or something like someone will take care of it. Right? Like something. Yeah, it's not my problem. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's I, when I when I hear Republicans talk about climate change, it's just it's like depressing to me because you know again, yeah, like we we joke right, but like what what happens if one of these people takes power? Like they're going to unwind the, the sort of the half measures that have been taken in the last four years. Um, they're going to unleash the fossil fuel industry so that we burn every you know every ounce of carbon on the planet, um, and then you know they'll hand the bag off to to the next generation to to try to figure it out. Um and it's just uh it's irresponsible. And these are people that go on and on about oh, we can't leave debt to our children, and it's like you want to leave like a, a planet on fire to your children. It's hard to see how that's not gonna result in debt too, my friends.
1: Yeah. And um, it wow, was a great riff. Uh and 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 the youngest man on stage is the one pandering, and that's uh Ramaswamy pandering uh to the baby boomer mentality which I think is embedded in nostalgia and it's sort of part of the same instinct as the anti-woke uh, mentality of driving into a gas station and filling her up and then driving out. It's, I think that's what it's part of. And he's feeding that, like fossil fuel, fossil fuel, fossil fuel. Yeah, yeah. If they say uh, one thing, we'll say the other. Yeah, yeah. I'm <laughs> like, this is insane. And to your point, you wrote a whole book about this. Fox dragged out um, this—I don't know how old the gentleman was. Maybe he was twenty years old. This young Republican, Uh, it was a college student, I think he was, and he was the one they—they didn't the the commentators didn't ask the uh, climate change question. They went to this this kid, and he asked the climate change question, and he did it from the perspective of a a Z generation, a twenty-year-old going to your point, like how? What can you tell my generation? about what you're doing to the planet. And they basically gave that kid the middle finger. They didn't even pander to him. You know what I mean? Usually they, you know how they, when they bring in someone like, oh yeah, I really understand. I feel your pain, you know, da, 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 da. They didn't even do that. You know that? (laughs) Uh, And so you have making this, been making this point uh, for four years now that the younger generation uh, is trending Democrat. And one of the compelling issues is climate and the environment, uh, and man, was that contrast on display last night that the Republican Party thinks they could win the presidential election in 2024 by having a position on the environment uh, that is essentially opposed by large chunks of, of the under 30 voting block. They have such little regard for this voting block. Um, what's the political calculation going on in Republicans' minds, uh, David, when they take a stand like this?
0: Well, I mean, it's it's really simple, right? Like um, the Republican primary electorate, the people that will decide whether these, which one of these eight idiots gets the nomination or Trump is steeped in uh, climate change conspiracy thinking and paranoia, right? um, Polling shows that the Republican primary electorate believes that climate change is a hoax. So they're pandering to their audience. They don't care about that kid. Um, and what proves to me beyond a shadow of a doubt that they don't care um, is just the, the, the easy layups that they miss when they dismiss this question and they dismiss young people. We're like. Like imagine a world where Desantis answers that question by being like, remember that New York Times story about the two old, that Florida couple that bought a, that bought an island <laughs> off the coast for their retirement, and there was this whole thing that was like, well they don't actually get to retire, they basically just have to like fight to keep the water off of their island so they don't drown. Happy retirement, everybody. Um, Desantis could have been like, you know, I sympathize with like Steve and Susie of, uh, of Fort Lauderdale as a, you know, in their retirement, uh, you know my. My heart is with them and uh, clearly the planet's getting warmer, but Democrats don't have the right answers or whatever, right? Like they can't even acknowledge that the suffering is happening. Like right? that's how in hoc they are to their own radicalized base that to acknowledge in a real way, the problem and the cause of the problem is to grant themselves 0% chance of winning the nomination of their party. Like, that's the central conundrum of like uh, Republicans who are are not Insane. Um and you know, but most of those people on stage went to like Harvard and Yale and Princeton and they're not idiots, right? Like they know it's real. In their hearts, they know it's real. But they can't say it because then they won't get elected. Um and they can't they can't challenge the Republican consensus because then they'll be over there on the left side of the stage with Chris Christie at 1%. Um and having him just I mean, he's doing God's work, but he's not gonna get the nomination, right? Um, these are all ambitious people. They're not out there to make a point. They're out there to become the nominee or I guess to get their you know their one hour primetime slot on Fox News or <laughs> cabinet position. Uh, I don't know. It's like this is with this many people running for president, you have a lot of different motives. Um, but one thing you can't do up there if you want a future in Republican politics is say that you believe climate change is real and, and driven by policies enacted by human beings. You can't do that and get the nomination. That's um, you know, that's the corner that they've painted themselves in
1: well that's uh that's a very sobering moment and uh to me that was you know all jokes aside about the antics of uh debates and how they're much like wrestling uh I, it this it, i it, it was so indicative of what you just said their absolute refusal uh fear for fear political fear for political retribution to confront this issue i would say it's that way across the board on any issue uh Absolutely every issue from immigration to taxation to uh, reg- regulation. Ramaswamy wants to do, undo all the over-regulatory entities. That's how. That's where they're going. So he, he wants to get rid of like the IRS. He wants to get rid of the IRS. I'm like, well, how are we going to fund government? Uh, did, how, did you think that through? You know, he wants to, uh, and they're all pounding the uh, Department of Education, uh, <laughs> which is just it's weird that of all the things wrong with government today that they would pick that so your point is yeah well very well taken when you're controlled by maga maga uh, you know maga sets the terms of the debate which leads us to abortion and this was the one issue where i saw an attempt by the, those candidates to stitch together an answer with an that would win them over votes in the MAGA control primary, and yet <laughs> with an, a recognition that there would be other people besides MAGA voters participating in the November 2024 election. This was the one attempt, you know, and they, the way they do it, uh, in my David is to say, Well, I'm for. Uh, I'm all pro-life laws. I'm against abortion. I think it's a despicable thing, but it's not a federal issue. In other words, I'm talking and dodging this one, baby. It's a state issue. (laughs) So we leave it to the States. Uh, your thoughts on how the Republicans handled the abortion issue in last night's debate.
0: Yeah, sure. I mean, they all look like they had gotten called into the principal's office, you know, for like misconduct and they, and they did it, you know? Um, and they didn't. They didn't want to answer a straight question from the moderators. I mean, this to me was the most substantively confused portion of the debate, where like I didn't even really, I didn't really quite follow what everyone was even saying. You know, you've got Tim Scott being like, "I've got a hundred percent pro-life voting record, and I'll do anything for life, except a national abortion ban." And you got like, you know, Doug Burgum being like, "The Tenth Amendment." Um, Doug Berman looks exactly like Eugene Levy, the comedian. Um, So (laughs) incredible eyebrows, which I respect because I'm a very eyebrow-centric person. If you've ever seen a picture of me. So God bless you, Doug Berman, fellow eyebrow lover. Um, But, uh, you know, you got Nikki Haley who was like, they should be asking Joe Biden whether they think a baby should be aborted at 38 weeks. Um, And like, no one except Mike Pence, Mike Pence, Mike National Abortion Ban. You know, I'll ask Mother about this. Uh, The the Christian fundamentalist on the stage was at least ideologically consistent and was like, "Yeah, shit, I'll do anything I can to to ban abortion for everyone." Um, And uh, you know, we can't have a. Did you know? Did you you notice how many times like Illinois and Chicago were like name-checked in this debate? Um, They were like, I think it was Tim Scott's, like, we can't have Illinois and California and, and New York. You know, the three boogeyman states for Republicans. I'm like, just imagine Democrats talking about Republican states like this. Just imagine, just like, like if 13 people were like, that's that hellhole, North Dakota, you know, these small towns where everybody's on crack and meth. Can you imagine if we talked about this like our our fellow citizens? It's so crazy, right? I would never do that. Well, I guess I just did. But like, if I was running for president, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I <Yeah>. certainly would. <laughs> um, so they they all tried to yeah. You're right. I mean, they all tried to duck and dodge the question. Um, I think you could see the visible discomfort with the politics of the issue, as opposed to the ideological underpinnings of the issue, and nobody wants to get cut, like caught further out than they're willing to to stake out in the general election. Um, DeSantis totally dodged the question, right? Um, you know, I don't want to say what I would do exactly, but it'll be pro life, you know, like pro life, pro life, pro life, pro life. Um, nobody wanted to talk about Dobbs, right? Nobody wants to talk about the Supreme Court. Nobody wants to talk about what they're going to ban next. It's all just like, how many weeks? Fifteen weeks? Six weeks? Twelve weeks? You know, um, what's a month? How many weeks is that? Um, so, <laughs> I, I thought it was, um, it kind of embarrassing, honestly, for the whole party, <laughs> because it, what it showed is that the Republican Party is very uncomfortable with the politics of its own position about abortion heading into this election. Um, they know it's a vulnerability. Uh, the serious candidates up there know it's know it's a vulnerability, um, and you have a spectrum from like Mike Pence, who's like, I don't care, <laughs> you know, we're saving babies, baby. Um, I don't care if it costs us votes. Um, to like everybody else, just kind of be like, well, but the but the states created the national government, not the other way around. And it's like, Do you, let's find another issue where you feel that way. What about guns? Did did the did the federal government create gun policy too? No. Wow, that's interesting. Um, so, but uh, ideological consistency is not generally what we're seeking out of politicians these days. So,
1: yeah, no, and it is a vulnerability, ladies and gentlemen. We've seen it uh, in the last few elections. Even the the moderators for Fox uh, had to concede that. And so, in in many ways, <clears throat> this was a test case to try to find some kind of policy that is even more like more or less consistent uh that will enable them to uh duck and dodge this long enough to win. I don't think they can do it. Uh I think it's very similar to climate change. And um I think that's one of the reasons they're gonna lose in twenty twenty four. All right. Let's close with Trump. He wasn't there. I am a I completely disagree with the conventional uh viewpoint by most of the talking heads that I've seen on TV and read in the newspaper that, oh, what a wise decision. I understand why Trump, you know, pundits, man, they always say the same things, man. Oh, uh, well, I can understand. He's adding the polls. Why would he go there? I mean, that's not how Trump has played the game. Trump never didn't play the game by running away from attention. He ran to attention. If Trump was there, would. you talk about a wrestling match, it would even be beyond what we saw last night. It would have been, like, from Trump's point of view, wildly entertaining. And people go, well, he might say something that might jeopardize his uh, hold with MAGA. Oh, really? What? He's already on trial on four different venues. (laughs) And, you know, they love him more and more. He's going to be arraigned today, ladies and gentlemen. There's going to be a mugshot. He's going to be selling T-shirts with the picture of the mugshot. Okay? So there's nothing he could say on that stage that would hurt him. I believe the only reason he didn't go on that stage was because he listened to his lawyers and they said, you could probably say something stupid that would hurt you in one of your trials. So just stay away from live mics uh, and uh, you know, and probing questions. Um, so I think he... I, I don't buy his official line why he wasn't there. Um, and uh, I also wish... Wonder how his presence would have affected the discourse on that stage. So your thoughts on Trump's not being there and how it would have if he had been there, it would have changed things go
0: ahead I hundred percent agree with you it's like um it's like in a, you know at the end of a football game when you have a like a kind of a, a lead and you take a knee to run down the 30 yes. seconds on the clock. well it's like Donald Trump took a knee in like the third quarter. Um, it's like, my man, uh, it is not over yet. You know, <laughs> like you don't, you don't have a single delegate yet. Um, and to just, to just completely skip the debates means, um, one, the headlines are not about you the next day. And nobody watched his like stupid interview with Tucker Carlson on, on Twitter slash X slash Elon Musk's, uh, playground. Um, they watched the debate and the pundits watched the debate. Um, I don't even know what he said because I don't care. Right. Like, and so this morning, the headlines are all, again, I disagree with the wisdom, but the headlines are all like, breakout star Vivek Ramaswamy, and it's not about Donald Trump. And skipping the debate um, with his fellow Republican candidates, I think deprived him of one of his great strengths in the Republican primary in 2016 and now, which is the ability to like rhetorically disembowel everyone else on stage with like childish insults um, and and braggadocio. Does it work on me? No. But it clearly worked on the Republican primary electorate. Okay, um, and he, he forsook a really clear opportunity to just look over at Vivek Ramaswamy and be like, <laughs> who are you again? I'm sorry, could you, like, who is who is Vivek Ramaswamy? He didn't have, like, a clever nickname for him, you know, probably racist. Uh, so I'm not going to speculate, but just use your imagination about what Donald Trump would do. Uh, to, to Ramaswamy if Ramaswamy wasn't sucking up to him um, from a thousand miles away so I, I see it as a missed opportunity for him now it's true and the advisors may be right about this um that the thing to do with a 40 point lead is is to be as defensive as you possibly can about it and not and not to open yourself up to any unforced errors but I don't think that we're close enough to the primaries for him to to um Project that level of arrogance, um, and to say like I don't, you know, I'm the incumbent. I don't have to do this. Um, it's like it's insulting to your own electorate. It's it's like okay, he's going to skip the general election debates because he's a little crybaby about the commission on presidential debates that frames every single question in a, in a Republican seeming way. Anyway, uh, sorry, not right wing enough for them. Um, he's going to skip the general election debates. You can't skip your own primary debates. Well, you haven't gotten anybody's vote yet, man. So. Um yeah I thought it was bizarre of him to skip the debates. Um I think like in a objective reality based manner he's like a terrible awful uh, repulsive debater. Um but he is effective at taking people out at the knees. He's very good at that. I I can't deny that. Um and I think that he would have been the center of attention, he would have gotten the most speaking time uh, and he would have I think been able to cut off his chief rivals in a way that he, he wasn't able to do what he did last night was he essentially allowed Ramaswamy to re- to replace Ron DeSantis as Trump's chief rival. Now, unless that's what he wanted and maybe it is unless that's what he wanted. I think it was a mistake. Okay? Um, DeSantis was a complete non-entity out there. Like I don't think he'll even make it to Iowa. Um, he had no moments. Like, he didn't distinguish himself. He's a horrible debater. Um, He has like the charisma of like a soggy pillow. Um, and, and that showed right. like, I, if I'm a super PAC funder right now, I am out on Ron DeSantis. Bye-bye. And so what I think happened last night was like, DeSantis got taken down another peg. Um, Trump missed an opportunity, uh, I think to define his competitors, especially his chief competitors. Um, and uh, you know, if you're Team Trump, I don't know what I don't know what you make of that. I mean, I could I can see a case for it, but I know I I personally, you know, gun to my head, I, I'm on your side on this. I think you should have gone. Oh yeah, and uh,
1: again, the, the I know what you're saying when you say unforced errors. Uh, that's pundit talk. That's what they always talk about. Unforced errors. That's strategist talk. And uh, I there's no political universe where there's an error with Donald Trump. Everything he does is an error. Everything he does should have disqualified him years ago, and it hasn't. So it, it would have been interesting to watch Donald Trump and Mike Pence confront each other on what went down on January 6th. And again, that is the heart of one of the lawsuits against Donald Trump, and that's why he didn't show up on that stage. Yeah, it's my opinion uh and so it was a legal decision not a political one and i'm sure donald trump was not happy to all the points you made
0: i will tell you though one. somebody really did great last night is that uh, nikki haley made herself the overwhelming favorite for the 2008 republican primary like she she could not lose a primary that was held 15 years ago
1: yeah, I <laughs> know. Okay, so that brings me to this point. The final question. That is so true. She was a conventional Republican. That was cla- That was like a George Bush performance uh, by baby Bush and daddy Bush too, I guess, but mainly baby Bush. Uh, all right. So I watched the debate w- with a room full of fellow lefties. And when the debate was over, I gave him one of my classic questions. And it was, don't duck, don't dodge don't evade, don't avoid, don't try to slither out of it. The fate of the world hinges on you voting for one of these eight candidates. You're not allowed to vote for anyone else. You can't write in anyone else. You have no choices. You have to make a decision. Based on what you heard tonight, who would you vote for? A room full of lefties, I asked that question, uh, and they all honestly answered uh, that question, so... I will now pose it to you. The same exact question, having heard that debate, who would you have voted for if you had no other choice?
0: Go. Oh, that's easy. It's it's Haley all day long. <laughs> she's, she's, the, I, she's the only sane person in the room. You know, I, I appreciate Chris, Chris Christie standing up for democracy and, and, and being the attack dog against Donald Trump. I don't know who he's serving or who's paying him or who's bankrolling him, um, but, but he's doing yeoman's work. Uh, being, you know, trying to make fun- Trump into a punching bag, but it's, it's not a particularly serious candidacy. Um, and I don't trust him. Like I'm from New Jersey. Um, I, I technically lived in New Jersey when he became governor. Uh, and I think he's fundamentally a dishonest person okay. um, and say what you will about Nikki Haley, you know, her politics are 8,000 miles to the right of mine, um, But I think that she's a, I think that she's a serious person who would take the job seriously and who would take the awesome responsibility of the job seriously. She's not a conspiracy theorist. Um, she's not somebody that, uh, she's not like pro-Russia, which is a, increasingly a, a center of gravity in the Republican Party. Um, these are all also reasons, by the way, while well, she'll never get the nomination. Um, but yeah, if, if forced to choose, um, I think that Nikki, Nikki Haley is the least extreme and most serious person on that stage. Uh, and so as a consequence, of course, I don't think she did anything to help herself last night for the nomination, <laughs> because, because that's just not where the Republican primary electorate is. They want shouty uh, podcast hosts as their nominees. Um, and not, I say that as uh, somebody that shouts a lot on podcasts, okay? But I'm not running for president. Um, and what the Republican primary electorate seems to want is like cocaine-addled conspiracy theorists who yell um, and, and prosecute the culture war on their behalf. They don't want serious people. Serious people need not apply
1: uh, yeah it's uh, that's well put and uh, just so you know the consensus I, I'm with you about Nikki Haley that was my answer um, and the, but the other lefties in the room took Christy Christie and I think it's because just what you see he's from new jersey <laughs> and they like new jersey and i don't know maybe it's a bruce 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 springsteen influenced uh, but there's something about him being from new jersey I, it's not completely logical but what is logical in politics these days all right david ferris thank you very much uh and a great job as always we'll see you in a couple of weeks all right
0: great to be here ben i'm sure we'll have a lot more nonsense to discuss in a couple of-
1: oh yes. yeah <laughs> Yeah, we didn't even talk about Donald Trump's arraignment today. So we'll get to that in a couple of weeks. Uh, that's David Ferris. I'm Ben Jarofsky. Take care, everybody.